0: can turn in your Bibles, if you will, over to Psalm 23. I don't really expect to have to write this down tonight, but I thought maybe if that helps you remember it. Psalm 23. Brother Ben reminds us regularly in our men's setting that when you're trying to sort life out, is it not on? Tiddle. Is that, that do it? Oh. Uh. Brother Ben reminds us on a regular basis that Psalm 23 covers a lot of country in Scripture. The thing about Psalm 23, like the rest of everything God gave under that covenant that he gave with Moses, David's the author of this, by the way. Guess what Psalm 23 is? It's a shadow. It's a shadow. The principle principle is ours because it's written written, uh, to give God's covenant-related children. It's written by one of God's covenant-related children. And it puts a picture. You know, I try to take whatever I was talking about Sunday morning, and I try to pull you up uh, Old Testament scripture that says what I said on Sunday morning. Well, that's what Psalm 23 does. I think it's amazing, it's an amazing thing to me that God writes poetry. That's what did. He's real good at it. And he paints this picture. He paints this picture for, for tribal people who understand sheep and shepherding. They, they understand that. And David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restores my soul again and again. He restoreth my soul. That means it's present perfect tense in English. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We read this morning the Spirit of God. uh, Those who are sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his sake, name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley in the shadow of death. I mean, does that describe this life? Yeah, it describes a lot of this life. I think it describes this life, period. But I think it describes those dark, deep times in this life, especially that we walk through. And sometimes those shadows... That that, it's the epitome of danger. Yea, though I walk through the valley in the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, Romans 8, 15. But we received the spirit of sonship. Paul would write Timothy and say, we received the spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it brought you into this relationship with God, and it sustains you there. And how part of the way he sustains you there is the reason why he gave you his spirit, to sustain you there. The spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. doesn't have anything to do with miracles, brother and sister. Anything to do with me speaking in a language I never studied. I don't need to do that. I'm I'm struggling. I got uh, the Bible on a fifth grade level. I try to get it just as simple as I can. I'm struggling with that. And it's everyday English. I don't have to speak languages. I don't have to. The scripture is proven. I don't need to do a miracle to prove that this is God's word. This is either God's word or it's not. It is too. I don't need to do anything to prove that. We're, we're beyond that. This is proven. This is witness. This is God's word. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Is that victory? Yeah. Yeah. That's a victory that puts your enemies in their place. That's what that is. You anoint my head with oil. That is belonging and that is purpose. Prophets, priests, and kings are all anointed with oil under this covenant. You know why? They belong to God. Their purpose. They reign. They preach. They teach in accordance with God's purpose. Their purpose is God's purpose. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. There is no end to the blessing that we have. Surely goodness and mercy, loving kindness, will follow me all the days of my life. And maybe, no, he didn't say maybe, did he? And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. What is that? That's God's presence. That's God's fellowship. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I challenge you to look at Psalm 23 and see it be the shadow. And really, we didn't even talk about the whole chapter this morning. But the reality, the Lord is our shepherd. I'm not a sheep, I'm not looking for grass, I'm not looking for still water to drink in that regard that that would sustain me. I'm not looking for a physical person with a physical rod and a physical staff, but I've got the word of God. The staff takes care of the enemies, defeats the enemies of the sheep. Also use it to keep the sheep in line. When sheep be sheep, they're born trying to die and continuously doing something stupid. That's what it is. he's calling a sheep in this figure. And, and as we were talking about, but I will fear no evil. I don't know if you caught that. You did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. When it was just you out here, when it was just you, I don't even know how to draw that when it was just you and the law of God, you're stupid if you're not afraid. Why? Because every transgression receives its just penalty. For all of this to happen, for all of this to happen, for the Lord to be my shepherd, that's the whole point of all that. He took, he took away, and that's a bad term for our illustration. We're, I know I'm using scripture, but we're still illustrating a point. <clears throat> let's just use what Paul said, the law of sin and death. When you sin, you die. The wages of sin is death. There's a law that says that. It's God's law. Not man's law, it's God's law. When you sin, you die. That's the first half of Romans six twenty three. But that's not the whole verse, is it? For the wages of sin is death... But God's got a law of liberty. God's got the law of the spirit of life that He has brought you to and saved you through and washed you clean and destroyed sin and removed death. And now you have freedom. You have freedom over here, just like these sheep have freedom in Psalm 23. This, this just paints a practical picture. And here is the spiritual. Reality. This this in principle, yeah, in principle, this is our life in Christ. In very specific spiritual reality, this is our life in Christ. One of these days we're going to study Romans, you're going to figure out Paul's a lawyer and he's inspired by the Holy Spirit, and this Holy Spirit doesn't make him think he's a lawyer. And it's lawyer talk, and he's laid out these principles in order. And there's a reason six comes before seven, and there's a reason eight comes after seven. And all of those go in line for a reason. And he really started talking about them way back up here at the front. He has given me a life, a life by his spirit. A life in which his spirit lives within me. Well, explain that. Tell me what the book said. How are you going to explain something further than how God explained it? You're not. Here's the challenge. This is always the challenge of Scripture. Always the first, most important challenge of Scripture. Come over here with me to uh, Matthew chapter 8. I think we've looked at some of these. I might looked at all these. I don't know. I've used them for years, but they're all three pretty close together. I think it's important. We're in the middle of Jesus doing miracles. Well, here's your choice. Get all tangled up in the miracle and think that uh, right here, this centurion has a servant uh, at home paralyzed in terrible suffering. In verse 6, Jesus said, to him I will go and heal him the guy said no you don't even have to come just speak the word Jesus said man what great faith what great faith. What an understanding of who I am. Of course Jesus doesn't have to be there. I think Jesus just makes this statement to, because he already knows what the guy believes in his heart. He makes this statement so the guy will volunteer how strong his faith in Jesus Christ is so Jesus can use that to teach everybody that's, been, that's with him that's been following him around for two years nearly at this point and make a point to them. Because he says, I tell you the truth, Matthew 8:10, uh, where Jesus is talking, I tell you the truth, I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. That's what he's making this a point and an illustration of. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west, will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's direct opposite of Psalm 23. And Jesus said, this guy has faith. This guy has faith. He has faith in Christ Jesus. And verse 13 is our point. Jesus said to the centurion, go. It will be done just as you believed. What's the challenge of scripture? To believe it. To believe it. We can read Psalm twenty-three immediately. We read verse one: "The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want." Immediately, the argument starts with our flesh and our spirit. What's the argument? Y'all don't have it. I have it all the time. At all my life, I do too. Want really, really. David wrote it by inspiration. Did David ever want anything? Did he ever want anything that wasn't his? Uh-oh, now you're into coveting. Mm. No, this is the truth. Anything God says about Christ Jesus is the truth. Anything God says about life in the spirit... Life in the spirit, where we are, we're not in the flesh. He said Romans 8, 9, you're not in the flesh. If you're in Christ Jesus, you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. What does that mean? You're walking according to the spirit, not the flesh. If you're in Christ Jesus. Well, I don't see that. I see sometimes myself wanting. That's why he wrote this down. No, I don't. Not really. Not really. I sat myself down every now and then, to have a talk with myself. Say, Jon, what, what, what do you mean you what? No. My life is not dictated by my wants. Why? The Lord's my shepherd, not my wants. My wants are not my shepherd. Honestly, sincerely, are your wants your shepherd? Or do you just get tangled up in them sometimes? We all make mistakes. You all get tangled up. We all make mistakes. We all forget. We all, we all sin. We all follow our desires in any given moment. I'm sorry for that. It costs me greatly every time I do in some regard. But not really and truly. Really and truly the Lord's my shepherd. When he says something, I'm after it. I want what he said. I want to do what he said. That's the truth. The truth is, he sets me up. He leads me, that's what a shepherd does. The sheep, the sheep in this psalm, they're not afraid. Well, because they're such good sheep, it hasn't, no. No, you don't wanna be a sheep, The sheep's the dumb thing. It's always there. I got friends all my life, and all they've done is raise sheep, and sheep are born trying to die. They die for no reason. Not these sheep. Why? Because of the shepherd. Who gets the glory? Who gets the glory here? The sheep or the shepherd? The shepherd is glorified the shepherd is glorified for the provision that he makes for the sheep for the protection that he gives the sheep for the purpose that he gives the sheep for the confidence and the courage that he gives the sheep the same thing if that is true in the illustration and the painting then how much more so in the reality who is glorified because of this Christ Jesus who died that's who's glorified that's who's glorified when you got people claiming that they're doing stuff by the Holy Spirit and all their stuff, and all they're bringing—well, if you was as spiritual as I am, you'd be doing all this. That, what, what on earth has that got? What on earth has that got to do with Christ Jesus? Nothing. What's it got to do with them? They're trying to elevate themselves and their spirituality, so they speak in these stained glass languages that nobody understands. And mm-mm. There's nothing that promotes humility more than the spirit of God in Christ Jesus who died for us. When you hear the message, when we hear the message. Jesus said over and over, "Let him who has ears let him hear." These 3 times in the book of Matthew 8:13, 9:29, 15. Twenty-two, maybe 28 in chapter 15. Be it unto you according to your faith. As you believe, so, it, so be it done. What's the element here that Matthew's underlining? Believe it. Believe it. Jesus didn't come to earth to heal people's servants. Why is he healing people's servants? Because he came to earth to do the purpose of God which was offer himself, himself by the eternal spirit, Hebrews would say, offer himself as a sacrifice to God, which would cleanse God's children, offer them all the protection and the sustenance and the direction and the leadership that they could need. He he gave himself to do that. What does he ask me to do with the cross? My daughter's sick, my son's sick, my dog died, my cow died. How about your sins are going to condemn you to hell? That's a lot worse than that. And Jesus said, everything I've done has proved who I am. This guy believed him. Then there's a woman who believes him. This life, this life, God is not going to force this life upon even people he's given it to. He's not. He tells us about it. And says, I always tell you the truth, and if you'll believe it, you'll get to see it. That glorifies our shepherd, brothers and sisters, not us, not us, not us. Our courage and confidence does not glorify us if our courage and confidence come from him. I don't understand every I don't under, I don't I don't understand how God does all that he does in us through the spirit he's given us. I don't understand how the spirit testifies with my spirit, but I believe it. I'm giving myself to believe it. The worst thing you could do is disregard it. What we need to give ourselves to doing is believing it. If we would believe it, I've done this with, I've done this with this, the entire book of Romans, but with this thought right here specifically. And I've spent years trying to understand it because the better I can understand it, every time I read it, I acknowledge again, it's true, whether I understand it or not. And maybe I'm mixed up about all this. That's why you've got the book, read it and sort it out. You just better make the puzzle pieces fit. And I don't have any agenda other than to promote what God said, and this is what God has said. He paid the price so I could be His child, not just His sheep. You could illustrate it both ways. He paid the price so I could be His child, and He has given me of His Spirit so that the fear of any evil in my life. doesn't exist there's a list of things I fear it's really not things is it God's the one we fear and that's not afraid that's reverence that's no way do I want to face God on my own all of this is an explanation that I don't in him. Now he's got the power to do that but we got to believe it to get in on it. Really the whole chapter as I said in Romans 8 is just the reality of this. If God is for us who could be against us? Who can oppose these sheep? Successfully? Mm-mm. If God is for us, who could be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but freely gave him up for us all so he could have this relationship with him. He died right here to give God this relationship, to give God the right to have the relationship with us he has today. He died right here, the righteous for the unrighteous, First Peter 3.18, to bring us to God. And the first challenge of that always is to believe it. I already believe it. Good. Believe is a continuing. It's a present present action that is continuing from now on. We don't give up our belief. Well, Jadon, people do. Have you ever known anybody that could articulate every bit of this and they quit? I had not I haven't. I've known people who were baptized in a Church of Christ building. Came to worship two or three times a week. Some of them religiously. Sometime or other they just quit. Why? Well something scared them. What happened to fear? They were just overcome with reverence for God and quit coming to church and they quit their faith. No, that no, 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 no. Fear that what? God keeps his promises, that God paid the price, that God can't love us more than he does, that God lives within us for a purpose? Fear of their own sin. I will fear no evil. I don't care if it's yours, mine, or ours. I ain't afraid of it. Why? He paid the price I don't have to. He paid the price so God could rid me of it. This is the challenge for all of us always To believe it, just like Hebrews 2 8. We don't see Jesus is king. This word means Jesus is king big time. Jesus is king, and He, God, has placed all things under His feet. All things are in subjection to Him. Do you believe that? That's crazy talk, isn't it? Our world is in the shape it's in. Does it look like Jesus is reigning and ruling over our world? Let me tell you, Jesus Christ is reigning and ruling. The Hebrew writer said, though we don't see it presently, but here's the reality. He's king, and he reigns, and he rules, and nobody, nobody stops him or stays him. You don't. He gets God's purpose done. Every miracle Jesus did, every, every word he's ever said, every word God ever says in Scripture is to give us complete and solid confidence in God. Everything he tells us in the New Testament is to give us complete and absolute confidence in the person, Jesus Christ. He is my everything, and he is my all. That's the truth, and I have to bring myself back to it every day because I keep on not seeing it. I keep on not seeing it in my life, in your life, in somebody else's life, so I have to come back to the truth and the reality that tells me here it is. This is what it is. This is what it is. I'm free. I'm free. He's given me freedom. He's given me protection. He's given me provision. So. I can't wear this out. But I don't want to wear y'all out. Uh, So let's pray. Almighty God and Father in heaven. We love you Father for who you are. You're amazing and awesome. You are the creator of all things and you give life and breath and everything else to all men and you give father to your children your spirit the spirit of adoption to prove and mark and, and encourage our understanding of our adoption and Jesus paid the price so you could call us your children it is that love that was demonstrated at the cross that you have, so, you have so lavished upon us, Father, that we would be called your children, and that is exactly what we are now. when there will come a day, Father, when we see Jesus, when we see all things under his feet, when we see sin not exist in any form or fashion ever again. And that will be, Father, the day he comes back. And on that day, faith will be removed and will receive its reward. In the meantime, you tell us the truth, the truth that Jesus conquered sin, he conquered death, and he conquered the grave. That he was raised from dead to, from the dead to immortality. That he lives by your power forever. And that he intercedes for us. Is covenant related, brothers and sisters. Thank you, Father, for telling us the truth about these things. Thank you for the courage and the faith that we have, Father, in Him. Thank you for telling us the truth about Him. Thank you for telling us the truth, Father, about where we stand. Help us to understand, Father. The basis of our belief is what you have said, not what we see. We don't like the sin that that pops up in our lives, Father, and we hate it when it pops up in the lives of those we love. And so we ask, Father, in a way that brings you glory, not us. We don't need a button or a cap. We overcame some specific sin. We just want to rid ourselves of it. We don't want to burden ourselves or anybody else with it. Help us by your spirit to put to death the misdeeds of the body. Help us in our minds, Father. Help us absorb the truth that you are presenting to us here. Whether we understand it or not, Father, help us to believe that the spirit of sonship abides in us. The spirit of adoption. And he does so, Father, to bring life is always what he it's what he hovered over the waters for in creation. It is what he hovers in our lives right now for the same purpose, Father, to bring life, not death, to give direction, to give provision, to give comfort. That's why he wrote the book. So it could be your rod and your staff. It could it could correct us and protect us. Thank you, Father, for living in us to will and act according to your good purpose. Help us to believe the truth, Father, of the gospel. and Help us, help us, Father, to revel in the life that you have afforded us in Christ Jesus. Help us have the faith that's required, the faith in him, not in us, in him. Help us to have the faith in him, Father, that manifests this life to the extent that it impacts other people, encourages them, it helps them, it blesses them. That it may give us, Father, a platform with them to share the story with them about the one who loves them the most, the one who wants to adopt them as his children. You bless the truth of your word, Father, Bless it in our minds and in our hearts and in our lives in some way that will bring you glory for being the promise-keeping God that you are. We thank you, Father, for what you've given us in this body, in this congregation, your people, our brothers and sisters. We love and care for each other, Father, in a way that if it was just us, we wouldn't do. But you live in us to do that. Help us be willing to do that. And do that in a way that brings you glory and honor. Bless us, Father. Bless us in any way that will bring your purpose into our lives. Will guide us in that purpose. And will sustain us, Father, as your people. Your faithful covenant people. We thank you for hearing our prayer, Father. You said you did. And we thank you for answering it according to your will. Because you promised to do that too. And it's through Jesus who bled and died in our behalf. And who lives powerfully to intercede for us now. We pray these things. Amen. As we talk about the Holy Spirit. I hope if you don't get any other simplistic verse in all the New Testament about the Spirit. I hope you get Romans eight twenty six. Paul said, we don't even know how to pray as we ought. Can you imagine that? Him writing nearly half a New Testament, being the world's best missionary, raised the dead, healed the sick, had the gospel revealed to him. And he said, man, my prayer life needs work. He said, we don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us. For us with groanings. We, we, we can't even express. We come into God's presence in prayer. We can't even express all these things about the valley and the shadow of death. That are tearing at us and threatening us and scaring us and, and besetting us. And all these things. And we can't even, we're just groaning about that. We don't know what to say. Let alone what to do. And the spirit himself is interceding for us. In accordance with God's will. I think very simply, brothers and sisters, the Spirit's supposed to encourage us. The truth about the Spirit of God in us is supposed to encourage us. It's supposed to grow our confidence in Jesus Christ, not in ourselves. You've got to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ to receive the Spirit of Christ. For you have to become a son of God, a covenant-related child of God. Or don't you know all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were clothed with him. We're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus for as many as us. Who were baptized into Christ Jesus have been clothed with Christ. Galatians three, twenty-six and twenty-seven. Galatians four six, because you are sons, because you were immersed into union with him and you were adopted by him, because he adopted you, he gave you the spirit of adoption, the spirit of sonship that cries out Abba, Father. That's God's gospel, and that's His plan for your life. If you want to know what God wants you to do, He wants you to obey the gospel and continue to walk in it and believe it. He wants you to live a life that's Spirit led. That's what He wants. If we can help you have that tonight, if we can, anything we could do, if you need our help in the public way, you could let us know now while we stand and give God credit for what He's done in Jesus. Thank you, Lord.